Welcome today to the course. We're going to be talking about uses and institutionalization of multidimensional poverty measurement. But I want to start out by asking Mauricio Course a, a question. Sorry. Mauricio, you've been taking this course now for a week and a half, right? What are you going to do with it when you get back? Why? Why is this important? What were you going to tell the politician when you get back? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Could you help me, John? <laughs> this could take a while. Okay, yes. I'll switch to the next slide. It seems to me that there are four things we want to discuss today. First, why, which is what I asked Mauricio, and he will answer that. Second, policy considerations. Third, political considerations. Then, how to use this animal that we've created. And then lastly, examples of how others have used it. So if you're in agreement with that, that's our roadmap <coughs> for, this for this morning session, okay? Do I hear an okay? Yes. Thank you very much, because you weren't as loud yesterday, and we want you to participate. Okay, so Mauricio, question again. It's even up there, look, why? Why are we doing this? Aparte <laughs> ridículo. Why are we doing this? So we want to start with one tiny, tiny little issue. We started last week, our first session was, why multidimensional poverty? So far, before these two weeks, we have been using, and our governments are using, income measures, consumption measures. We usually identify who is poor, defining who is under or below this poverty line, and, it would, uh, and we say who is non-poor using the same poverty line. In general, when we check what are the incentives for politicians, we realize that when we use this structure, you have incentives to put the money on this guy. Why? Because I would get really good and nice results if I give money to him because he only needs to cover this gap. I will never put money at the bottom of the distribution if we use only the headcount. That is the traditional measure that many or almost all governments are using nowadays to measure and to understand poverty. What we have been analyzing during these days. First, poverty is multidimensional. One single indicator, consumption or income, is not able to capture all the possible dimensions that we and everyone understand as poverty. Second, the intensity of poverty matters. It's not only if you are poor or non-poor, there is another fact that is relevant, what we call the average deprivation rate, is how poor you are, how far are you from that line, how much money, how much effort should I put as a government in that individual to live out of poverty. <coughs> we realize as well that we need better data. We are still measuring resources. If you remember Savina's presentation about the capability approach, we are still in the basic measurement. When are we moving to the next indicators? We are still measuring if you have an employment, um, employment or not. We are not measuring the quality of that. But additionally, 
And that is the main purpose of this session, is we need to make this over time. It's not a measure that we will have for one year and then it will disappear. It's something that it will be with us for many years and we need to make it sustainable. So it seems to me, since I also have learned something this time, that what Mauricio just said gets translated into this particular graph. In other words, you can go up the graph in terms of income, but what we're trying to tell you and the policymakers is that if you start dealing with the intensity of poverty, and let's say in this case there's six deprivations, if you reduce one deprivation, this if you reduce this one deprivation, all of a sudden poverty's intensity goes down, even though people might still be underneath the poverty line. Of course, you might want to get them above the poverty line of income also, but that's the key, okay? So the incentive, which we're going to talk about now, is how do we get the politicians and others to recognize the incentives that they have if they adopt this type of measure? So we'll start here. I said yesterday that communications was crucial. Clearly, we got that. I also said that it was absolutely essential that they were to have good technical knowledge. And that's what we've been doing, focusing on good technical knowledge. But I also said that that wasn't enough. Technical people talking to technical people will talk to technical people forever, right? <laughs> and they need to then go to what level? What do they need if they're going to make policy changes in their country? What do you think? <coughs> Okay, in other words, it's not enough. You need political support, right? So the question is, in most of our countries, we need political support, and the political support often has to come at the highest level. It's not enough to get a vice minister. Might be important to get the vice minister first because they can convince the minister and the minister, but eventually, even in most countries, it's the president, right? So you have to basically think about doing it only if there's strong political support. If you've anticipated some of the problems you're going to have, we'll talk about that more, communication strategies have to be in place. And then also, how are you going to institutionalize this thing? What is the institutional structure? Because it's not going to be just one president says, I'm going to do it. There's got to be a structure in place, right, that's going to handle this thing. So, so what happened? Last two in the last two weeks, I was in three countries. In Honduras, I signed an agreement with the, number, with the head of the coordinating cabinet of the president, where they agreed at the highest level to go ahead with this. In Costa Rica, I signed an agreement with the president and the, and the minister of, vice minister of, uh, no, the vice president, the president and the vice president of Costa Rica. And in the Dominican Republic, <coughs> There was a big, the vice president of the Dominican Republic made a commitment to the same project. Highest level. So once that commitment is in place, that's great. Came away from those three countries smiling because there's commitment at the top. But what happens if there is no commitment at the top? And I'm going to ask Mauricio. Mauricio, if you do not have political support, if you are not John Hammock, 
So you don't have contact with the president, or maybe not with the vice president. You will need to sell the idea. My team has created a very innovative solution, but we are still looking for a problem to go with it. <laughs> we know and we have a new technique, and we know that it's quite good, robust, rigorous, but we need to find first the problems, the requirements. How can we solve the problems, the needs of our country or our region, our community, using a methodology like this. This is not a crazy process that you, oh okay, I knew, I know this new technique, I will use it, any data that is available and I will calculate something. That is for researchers. If we want to change something, we have to do a longer process. That longer process starts defining the problem. So, Probably the first step to understand the problem, to get the problem is, how can we use the MPI? And we will want to ask you, how can we use the MPI? Which are the policy applications of the MPI? After two weeks of this course, I hope that you are able to get an idea. So, how can we use the MPI? This Any is not idea? a trick question. This is not a trick question. You can Anything goes. Why are you here, in other words? What are we going to do with it when you get back? dimension okay and uh, it doesn't only stop at counting but also tells us in which dimensions are for defined so that you can easily target those areas target yeah. what else <coughs> I think go ahead with the MPI it's it's like a tool for statisticians to reflect to politicians a better way of relating the outcomes that we will later get from our survey. If, for instance, we are so blunt with our figures before, right now with the MPI we should lighten up how we talk to them. Like to tell them, actually you are working, but so far you've only been able to make some little improvements in these areas, and you need more effort in these areas. I think it will help us politically. Thank you. Maybe to guide policy. How about this group over here? Come on, you guys in the front. Have, hey, hey, hold on. We got ho -ho. Thank you very much. Basically, this is a technique which can be applied in various manners. Just uh, and I was presenting uh, the application on uh, impact evaluation, impact analysis of projects. We were thinking to apply this thing on assessing comprehensive human development in multifaceted, not only looking at GDP but uh, from the objectives of Sharia approach, that protection of life, protection of future generation, protection of uh, wealth, protection of uh, uh, different aspects, this can be applied. 
And this can also be applied to look into not only the, the poverty, but political and uh, what you say, the political deprivation. Political deprivation in the sense that what is going on in Palestine, what is going on in Iraq, nobody has mentioned, just looking at the news items. But if somebody documents those things, not only life, property, but uh, how the things are changing, and you can see that which countries are more. Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, there is no consensus on the identification of the poor uh, in terms of both monetary and non-monetary measures. So uh, there is a, a low overlapping uh, between poverty measures. <laughs> uh, so um, multi-dimensional poverty MPI uh, try tries to uh, fill the gap in the literature. Um, different poverty measures identify dissimilar individuals as well, so um, policies uh, are inefficient in this in this sense. Um, okay, over here. Uh, oh. Oh, I need to use that. Yeah. Okay. Um, from policy implications point of view, I feel. In most of the developing countries, poverty is addressed, tried to be addressed by a particular one ministry. Because it's a multidimensional concept, I think we can tell the policymakers to address the poverty. The extensive collaboration is needed between different ministries like health, education, right. employment, yeah. and all. It's a combined effort, not just one ministry. Excellent. Please. I think we can also think in terms of uh, global policies, especially the macroeconomic policies, to the extent that if you are thinking of growth, you want an inclusive growth which, which is reflecting the well-being of the population. So if the, the, policy, the macro policies are failing to address the poor people's needs, then there is a need to reshape. And that means in terms of budget, uh, budget level, uh, budget allocation, uh, and execution also, so, yeah, and added to what they've said. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Do you want to go ahead? Thank you. Thank you for your comments. We say targeting, capture new dimensions, coordination, evaluation, and monitoring. In general, in this slide, we summarize a few of them. We're saying, how can we use the possible application and the policy applications of the MPIs? You can use to track poverty, as we have seen. We have one session only about multidimensional poverty over time. We can see how groups inside of a society are moving upwards or downwards. We could compare by region, by ethnicity, by geographical situation. We can monitor change because we want to understand what is happening, not only in one single dimension like income or consumption, but in all dimensions at the same time. In the long term, we will see that if two or three dimensions are moving together, that will give us ideas, that will give us suggestions for new public policies. We can coordinate. We can coordinate minister, we can coordinate interventions. We can coordinate the education minister with the health and so on. Because the poorest of the poor needs help in all different areas. It's not only one. 
And it's not only one at different time. They need to be together in a coordinated manner. We can target, as we have seen, using census data, we can target the poorest of the poor. And we, can, and we are able to know which are the dimensions in which they are deprived. And of course, as uh, Anna just showed us, we can evaluate policy impacts. The requirements are different, but if we understand what is our purpose, what do we want to change, we will be able to propose a policy application using the, uh, the MPI or the Alcaran Foster methodology. To add to that, we will at the end of the presentation also pick up some of the other things that you mentioned. Some of the other applications of this that are outside of poverty, like well-being, like uh, the inclusive growth, et cetera. And so, so there are other applications outside of poverty of the Alkire Foster measure, which we will also get to. But first, let's focus on the questions that we have at hand, which is, if you have political support, you're all set. If you do not have political support, how do we try to get it? Besides learning what you learned yesterday, that you have to be able to communicate it, that's not enough. You've got to have something to communicate, the content. And that's what we're going to focus on now. Yes. And then stand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you can have political support, but the nature of politics is such that it's periodical and self-serving. See, one political party comes in with their own agenda. They want to show you know, what they can do. And so how do you deal with that? That's an absolutely excellent question. Because what you want to do is what, what the Mauricio was talking about a minute ago. We want a sustainable system that sustains the election process, right? When, because when the next person comes in, you don't want them to say, OK, that was last week. That was last government's idea. So you want a sustainable thing in place which is technically competent, transparent, and we're going to go through some of that as we get to it. But that is an excellent question because there's no point in setting something up that's going to last for your period of election. You have to assume you might lose someday and that somebody else is going to say, we have some examples. I mean, we, the two examples we have are, one is where in Mexico, for example, there was a change of political party in Mexico and the Mexican uh, government continued, not only continued, but actually became more interested in the MPI than the one before, and has used it actually more cohesively than the first session. And then second, uh, which, is, which is fantastic, and then the other one is not a change of government, but uh, that's really the only one. In Colombia, there's been an election, but the same president was elected, so we'll continue it on. So let's, let's, let's talk now about what are the incentives that we can have to try to t talk to politicians and others, policymakers, about why they should do this. Okay, so we have a number of one that we're going to go through. Uh, in terms of first, just we, we know some things about poverty that they will usually resonate with in terms of, but you have to, in terms of the intensity. That, that, that poverty, if, you, if they, as I said yesterday, if people go and talk to any poor person, we, they know that poverty is more than just income. So that there's the intensity of poverty. We can sell this in terms of accountability. It allows coordination, and especially one thing that we found very interesting lately has been that you're not alone, that there are many other countries doing this, not just uh, at the MPPN level, at the uh, network level, but also that already within some of the international work, like the, even the Millennium Development Goals, there's no measurement of the Millennium Development Goals, but they clearly are multidimensional. It's very clear that it's attacking uh, poverty from very many directions. 
And the last thing, before I give it back to, to Mauricio, is always, always be ready. And that's what we said yesterday also. You need to have the backup to be able to talk to policymakers technically about what works. So you need to be ready. And if it, the political moment isn't correct now, then it might be in a month or two. So for example, there's an election coming up in the country, and you know that the election is going to then be ready for it. And you might even be ready by talking to different candidates in, of the different parties to be ready whoever wins. But there's, there, you need to be thinking about being always ready to be able to then go to the person at the right time. Timing is absolutely important. We don't have time to go into a lecture given sometimes about how it's important to build momentum and how others have built momentum so that they can pounce right at the right moment with their well thought out strategy. I'm only assuming the challenge when we say talk to different political parties, try to sensitize. Uh, uh, if you are a public employee, what challenge we can expand on top of it? Thank you. Let's, let's summarize what we have, trying to answer your question. If we have political support, we have the happy face. We have the president or the minister saying, we are going for this. If we don't have the political support, we have an extra step. How, how we can convince them to show them that there are benefits, there are incentives behind the implementation of a multidimensional poverty measure. The first thing, as a civil servant, one option is to start showing the hidden facts, the, one, the things that they are not able to see at this point with the current measures. First, intensity, the multidimensionality of poverty. Additionally, you can show them the impact on public policies. For instance, one strategy is, imagine that you have the best child care policy. You take care, you send kids to kindergarten, everything. If you are measuring your policies only based on income, when will you see the impact of that policy? 20 years? The studies show that if you have childcare, probably you will have higher incomes in 20 years. But as a politician, that is not helpful. Even if I'm a good politician, I want to know if my policy is the right one, is the correct one. So I need information in the short term about my policy. That is another way how to convince them, how to show them the benefits of this kind of approach. The accountability for the president. John could tell us a bit more about the, the process in Colombia, how the, the president controls everyone with the traffic lights. Well, we'll, we'll, get to that. we'll get to that more clearly, but clearly one of the key things that you're going to get out of a measure is the idea of holding your minister's account, if, if it's adopted at the presidential and government letter, le level, it's going to be a lead to coordination, hopefully, which then leads to accountability. Which basically, you, you, and right now, when we get to the Colombian example, you're going to see that there's a green light, red light, traffic light idea with, for every indicator that's in the plan. And the ministers have to report on it. And that gives tremendous accountability to the system. Well, if you are the minister, you will have data by region. And you will know, ah, uh, you're in charge of that region. What is happening here? It will give you ways how to check, how to coordinate your efforts. 
So to make responsible someone for that action, because you will have indicators in your dimension, in the dimension that you are uh, in charge of. And additionally, you could show them, you could invite them to the network meetings that we have, to the commissions that we have in, in our um, areas. One of the things I might mention is that, in fact, many of the people who come to the network meetings are ministers who are not necessarily convinced. They're interested, then they come, and when they're there, they say, ah, oh, this is really interesting stuff. And they get more convinced because there are other people involved. So just the step of having them go to a meeting of that nature is sometimes, if you get your vice minister to come, that's a huge step because then they see that there are other people, that they're not alone, and that, in fact, they can then see because they get examples of how other countries are using it. I mean, it's very impressive when the Mexicans and the Colombians say, uh, we've had it now for four to five years, and we, here's how it's being used. And it's not Oxford speaking, it's the government speaking. So study tours are another way of getting people to go and visit Colombia. We have four or five countries going to Colombia in, in September to visit the Colombian example. That's the kind of thing that's important to do. Uh. One la last point, be ready. If nothing of these options work, be ready. Have your papers prepared. Invite other people to these kind of courses. Tell them, maybe it's helpful you going to the next summer school. That is part of being ready. That is part of prepare to get the political support when they need it. So we have seen this process in different countries. In Mexico, in Colombia, in Bhutan, in Philippines, and in Salvador. And the, the structure, the incentives, were completely different. For example, I mean, in Mexico, where did this come from? In Mexico, it came actually from the Congress. It came from a champion in Congress who championed a law through the Mexican Congress to get it to say Mexico needs a multidimensional measure of poverty. That was, I think, in 2004, if I'm not mistaken. And then the government has charged to do that. It took them a while to do that. But then the government, through Coneval, which is the organization uh, that's set up to do evaluation and monitoring and this measure, through the whole process of study, of vetting, of talking with international experts, et cetera, they came up with a measure. So that's one approach. In Colombia, it was clearly quite different. In Colombia, it was a, the President Uribe found out about this measure from someone at OFI. He got interested in a very short conversation, got very interested in it and said, we need to do this. And he said to his Minister of Planning, we need to do this. And that's how the process started. And the process then developed into a whole process of developing the measure technically, with also then going out to the academics and the others to get validation, and then, th and, and then using our measure, which had just been developed a year or two before. Same. So that's very different than what happened in Mexico. Okay. In, in the Philippines, for example, what happens? A minister comes to become an, uh, an academic, becomes a minister of social development. He had done a measure of poverty measurement, multidimensional poverty measurement as part of his academic work. So when he came into the office, he said, we need to do this. Implemented a, an MPI relatively quickly and integrated it into the national plan in its interim phase, another methodology of how do you get this done. El Salvador, quite different. El Salvador started with the United UNDP, very interested with the uh, Technical Commission, 
of El Salvador, uh, technical president of El Salvador, uh, technical minister of the presidency of El Salvador, sorry. And then they created a commission. And that commission worked for a long time, in fact, they're still working, to develop that measure. Then at, at the end of this last period of government, they presented the commission's report to the Salvador government. It took them a while because they did a different methodology of actually going out and finding out about new dimensions and new indicators. So it took a while, but the process of getting there was through a commission. So as you see, there are many ways of getting to the political support. There's not one way. So then let's turn to some other incentives. What are some of the key questions that will be asked and that you therefore need to keep in the back of your head? Who owns this process? Who owns this? Is this going to be a measure that is owned by OFI? Because OFI calculated it? If that's true, it's dead in the water. It cannot be owned by an outside organization. It has to be owned nationally. Who understands the methodology? Do we have enough people in the country that actually can do the method, can actually make it work? And enough to be able to translate it to others so that they understand it? At the end of the day, is it going to be perceived as legitimate? It isn't perceived as legitimate if it isn't perceived to be accurate. If it isn't perceived to be, if it's perceived to be captured by a special interest, these are key issues. If people come up and say, oh, we just created a measure in X country, but it really was this one group of people who decided to do that and impose it on the presidency. That's not going to work over time. Your question of how is that going to work over time, not going to work. So it needs to be something which captures not just some interest group, but captures as much of a flavor of the country and as much of the reality of the country as possible. It has to be accurate, it's got to be transparent, and it's got to be legitimate. Transparency goes a long way towards legitimacy. Because if you're not transparent, people are going to think always that you've cooked up the numbers. So these are questions you have to have always be thinking about, and you have to be able to answer them with the policymakers to make sure that these questions are answered. And the same thing with over time. Are, who is going to be doing the, the, the measure over time, and how are you going to minimize that the concerns are there when you start figuring out how to update it? Is it going to be done with these same criteria? So that's really essential, sort of as key questions as we move into now, the uh, continue to move into the incentives on what we're doing. Two seconds regarding the, t the key question. There is not a magic recipe. It's not like you need to call these individuals the National Office of Statistics or X, that university, or we're learning this process. And in this process, there is, only n there is not only one way to do it. Each country, each society decides which is the, the best way, naturally or with our own efforts. For instance, we were mentioning in yesterday, in Chile, the civil society start pushing for multidimensionality in the measure. As we saw, Mexico was the Congress. In Bhutan and in Colombia was the president. In the case of El Salvador was an international institution. So there is not one single possible way. 
There are many ways. And we need to discover it together. If you have a new experience, if you realize that there is another way to start with this process, a National Office of Statistics, um, planning unit, like in the case of Malaysia, please share it. Because it's part of the knowledge that we are building together. And we will be happy to hear about your own experiences. So when you're thinking about building support, besides the, the top, you also then start to think about, OK, so who, who needs to be on board on this? Who needs to be accepting this idea? You don't can think, well, OK, the president needs to accept it at some point, fine. Well, first of all, you've got to get the technical staff to accept it, because there's always people on the technical staff that don't, may not buy this. There are people who might be either be opposed to it or have a lot of questions about it. So you need to make sure that at least there's technical support. There's not to be technical knowledge, but there also has to be support from the technical staff. Then, of course, the ministers, but also government leaders affected, because all government, anybody working in the social sector is going to be affected, social economic sector is going to be affected by this. Some people's jobs might be, and people who are concerned about that in terms of their own jobs and employment. Civil society, because civil society is vocal, rightly so, but they'll be out there thinking about this, questioning it. Academics who've been working on poverty issues, and even academics who haven't been working on poverty issues will be interested in this. So they're stakeholders to think about. Who needs to be on board? The media, which we talked about yesterday. And one of the things that, I've dis that I discovered, um, uh, particularly on this last trip, was that there's a lot of concern, too, and in Vietnam, actually, also, when we were there uh, uh, a year or two ago, in that there's a lot of concern that it's not just all those people above, but it's also everybody in the, every person on the, the general person on the street tends to think of poverty as income. Why? Because that's what they've been hearing for the last 25 years. Income, poverty, income, poverty, income, poverty. And that's the line that everybody has. And so it's not just a question of reaching these people. It's also a question of changing the whole concept of poverty at the, at the whole national level. And that takes media. It takes outreach. It takes time. You know, in Vietnam, for example, I mentioned uh, the Vietnamese uh, Minister of, of Labor, the first when we, when we were there, when he decided to adopt this, me this measure, to work towards the adoption of this measure, one of the first things he said in that first meeting was, we need a communications plan. Not, not, for, not necessarily just for these people, but we need to reach the general public. A year and a half from now, when we launch this, how, is, how do we know that the general public is going to be in favor of this and support it? So we have, from those, the list of participants who needs to be on board, we have two key stakeholders. First, we need a leader, the champion of the measure. We need someone able to move the institution, move the, minist the minister and the ministry. Doesn't have to be the minister, but should be someone able to share the idea, to share not only the idea, share the dream of something different. As we saw a few seconds ago, we have had different experiences. It's not always the same. But at the same time, you need a second stakeholder. It's the technical capacity. It's what you are doing as soon as you return to your countries. It's transform the mindset of your colleagues. You have seen, if you're working in academia, all scholars have been measuring poverty for the last 40 years with the same, almost the same, 
techniques. And we're still doing the same. We have new studies saying, voices of the poor, for instance, saying poverty is more than one dimension. But we are skilled, we skip that, that information. We are still measuring poverty using income poverty. Check your countries. Also, when you return to your National Office of Statistics, you will see someone who has been measuring for the last 20 years the income poverty. They got used to. To some extent, you have to change the paradigm. The paradigm that you have is, is there. It's saying like, no, we have been using always the same measure. We have been using always the same income measure. How can we transform their mindset? How can we tell them like, there is a better and new way? That is part of your role in this process. I think one of the things that you also have to look, just very quickly, because we're going to keep moving along. Um, but also, you, people are people. <laughs> people Remember that people are people. That there will be some times that people have their own ideas, their own uh, preferences for certain techniques, preferences for whether they want something this way or that way, present beliefs that they might have about a certain indicator that has to be in there even though technically it may not be perfect. Those are the kinds of personal things that come up also which are in the whole area of variable choice. In other words, how are these choices made? And sometimes it may not be the perfect technical choice, but if that's what has to happen, then how do you work with it? So you also have to be, there's some flexibility in this whole process. Because if there is no flex, because the flexibility uh, requires it in terms of the, the being able to get something to the, where it's executed. And, and this is basically the first thing we talked about from day one. You have to have your purpose clear. If your purpose isn't clear, like if it's for targeting, if it's for measurement, if it's for impact evaluation, the purpose has to be clear, and then you got to match your incentives to the purpose. That doesn't happen all the time. That's a funny graph, but it holds a kernel of truth. Sadly, it's real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I say, so how do you then create positive incentives for them to make these choices that they have to make? Are some of these issues going to be because they may match program output to the indicators themselves, so there's going to be a direct relationship. How is it going to impact budget allocation? Is the budget allocation a part of that process, and is it clear? And when we select indicators and the weights, we will check who is responsible for that, accountability of those indicators and those dimensions. Is the health minister in charge of A, B, or C indicator, or who else? We will try to, as John just said, we will try to relate each one of the, these indicators to different social programs, social policies that the government has been building for the last years. And we will try to make these in a specific trade-off between these programs and the programmatic idea, the idea of the government. In general, each government has a message that they want to share. How can we relate this information with that message? 
One little detail, which is quite crucial. In general, everyone thinks that all governments want, want to have a poverty cutoff quite low, to have a percentage of people in multidimensional poverty also quite low. Sorry, oh, we're wrong. <laughs> they want to have a higher cutoff to have a poverty, a headcount poverty quite low. But it's not that true. Why? Because if your poverty is start high, if your poverty at the, the first year is 40%, it's easier to get at 30%. But if your poverty starts at 5%, to reduce that poverty at 5%, it's almost impossible. It's not impossible, but it's quite difficult. So which are the incentives that you are giving to the media, to the politicians, to the policy makers, when you define your cutoff, you have different. You can go for a very high cutoff, knowing that probably for the next year you will have a drop in poverty, or you will go for a very low uh, percentage of poverty, and have different incentives. The incentives that you will put based in your cutoff, they will change the definition of the policies of the government. And I think here, basically, again, just to rep repeat, because we've, where, where do these national considerations, where do the indicators, cutoffs, and weights come from? Some of them countries have the constitutional mandate, as we said. Some of them come from very explicit, strong goals in the national plans. Many times you'll get, uh, like in the countries that we're talking to now, a lot of the actual indicators and dimensions come from the national plan. They're already in there, it's set. Um, or others basically try to have participatory schemes to try to complement that. In El Salvador, that's what they did. They went out into the, into, uh, with panels and discussions and a questionnaire to try to find out, are there other dimensions which we, the experts and the national academia, et cetera, haven't come up with? And they did. They came up with a new idea of measure that, of poverty, of maybe trying to measure violence, of maybe trying to measure the neighborhood. How do you measure uh, the, the, the neighborhood living standard of, of, a, of a poor person? So they've actually, um, come up with another, another way of doing that. The, the question then comes, uh, the, the tension between the balance of what the, what the local necessity is and the technical need. In other words, balancing the technicality and the need for comparability uh, with, with good data uh, with the national context. And uh, I think that's, we've been fairly clear on. Uh, and so I think that how you decide those others, uh, we talked about now of how it was done in several countries. But there are different ways of actually coming up with the final m indicators and dimensions in your MPI. And there's no right way or wrong way. There's a more participatory way and a less participatory way. But all those have been, have been used. For instance, in El Salvador, we use a participatory approach. We had a service in each community, in, in a set of communities, with quant qualitative um, research, we were asking in focus group, what are the main dimensions, the, the most relevant dimensions? That is amazing because you are including information from population in every place in the country. But there is a trade-off. How long does it take? It's quite a long process. It took 
almost two years to get that information. What are the final conclusions? Sometimes are a bit more difficult to get final conclusions from qualitative approach. So everything, there is not a magic solution. Everything has a pro and cons. If you can combine them, probably it's a good alternative. And then I think the relationship between the MPI and income poverty measure is going to be crucial. Is, is, is because, you know, if, if your income poverty line is at 10% and you come up with a 50% MPI ratio, politically that might be quite difficult. So you also have to calibrate it in terms of oftentimes countries will choose their poverty cutoff such that multidimensional poverty is either equal to, lower than, above, but you can, one, when, when you do the technicality of the cut of the MPI, you do a lot of different cutoffs, a lot of different variations of what the possibilities are. And at the end of the day, that has to somehow be reflective of the national uh, consensus or the national decision that's taken on that. But the relationship between the MPI and income is absolutely es essential also, because that's what the press is going to look at, right? The first, the first press release is going to be income, yesterday income increased by 50%. If that's what happened, if there's a new number that's way out, you know is di very different than income, so that whole relationship with income is really essential. Um, one, go ahead. one country, for instance, was pushing to have the same cutoff to get the same percentage of poverty by income and multidimensional. So the the headcount by poverty income poverty should be the same than the age that you have been calculated. So what they were do trying to do, they are trying to reduce as much as possible the noise of a new measure. What is the, the concern of a researcher is, okay, you could define it for the first year, but for the second year, for the second period, you already define it. So now we will see if you are changing your policies for poor-poor in multidimensional level or poor-poor in the income level. Maybe the first year you will not have so much information to compare because you are getting the same result in terms of the headcount. But for the second year, you will be able to compare all different dimensions of poverty. And then, and then of course, the other thing which you brought up, the whole issue of what happens if this is just created by one government, what happens with a government transition? What happens if, in fact, the new government comes in with a different interest? And the, and the key is therefore to show, to have it try to be institutionalized ahead of that change of government and to be, it be done technically competently with everything else we've just talked about, transparency, et cetera, so that, it, so that in fact there is an incentive for the new government to keep the same measure. And one of the reasons that, that that's true is that if an AF measure can, result, can show results in a fairly short period of time. So a new government can come in, results, uh, and can use the same measure to keep, if the old government was doing relatively well on it, one can continue policies to improve it and make changes in the new government. So that there are incentives here to try to get, but, but that's where the institutional structure becomes essential, the institutional structure and the technical competency. Another example, there are in one country, I will not say the, nom the name, we had the elections in February. And approximately in December, John and Sabina had meeting with all different parties. Arena and El Frente are the parties. So what was the purpose of that? It's before, yeah. <laughs> for those who know politics, uh, they will know 
what country I'm talking about. But uh, in that way, during that process, you are getting their support when they are still candidates, when they are saying whatever that they have to say to get the vote. But additionally, you get commitment. And you get commitment at that point. You will know that after the elections, you can tell them, look, you signed this agreement. We are doing this not only for a period, not only for a five years time. We're doing this also for a longer period. Because poverty, we cannot solve poverty only in five years. We need of your government. And that was the purpose of those kind of meetings. So the importance of that section was basically the, the key is trying to establish trust in the measure. As, and trust in the measure comes from technical competence, from transparency, from showing results over a short period of time. So it's absolutely essential for there to be transparency, as much participation as required or important. Also, you have to basically be worried about is it done with or without international agencies and what's their participation or their importance in your country? Uh, how much of the interinstitutional work have you been able to do and get acceptance of? And then uh, the concerns about where is the opposition going to come from if there is a change of government to this kind of measure if it hasn't been done right. So I'm going to very quickly, uh, because we want to get to the next se session, but I just want to tell you very quickly about the structures that have been set up in a couple of countries, because there are different potential structures that you can set up. In, in Mexico, CONEVAL is a, the Consejo Nacional de Evaluación, which is the evaluation arm of the government. It's an independent institution set up by the government to do evaluation and to do the MPI. Uh, this, that's what they do. And it's a separate arm funded directly uh, by the government uh, and, and with a, with a, it's still part of the government, but it's quite independent in the sense that it, that's its role and it, and it does the whole process. And, and how it was set up, it was set up by legislation of Congress. It has its own board of directors, which is partly, pri pri partly private, partly government. And that board sets policy for Corneval. And, and so that is a, and they then provide all the information. They do the research, they do the MPI calculations, they release them to the, to the government and the public, and their system is online. You can go online to Coneval. It's all up online, it's all transparent. You can actually work with their numbers and get different MPI results. It's a, it's a very open system. They are then, in their task is then to go to the Ministry of Social Development, to go to the municipalities and get them to use this as part of their mandate. And that's what they do, and they are. They work very closely with the Ministry of Social Development. They work very closely with municipalities and other parts of the Mexican government to provide the information. Now, it is a national measure. It is the national measure of Mexico. So, of course, the president also uses this for coordination. In Colombia, it's quite different. They do not have an independent body. Rather, it is done within the ministries of government. It's calculated by uh, the, 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 the Departamento de Estadísticas, the, the Department of Statistics. It's calculated by the Ministry of Planning, and it's implemented by the Prosperity Social Development Ministry. So that, in fact, the Social pr pr Prosperity Ministry is the main ministry that works on poverty issues. They're the recipient of the data that comes and is validated by these other two uh, pillars in the government. And the interesting thing about the Colombian uh, method is that both of those agencies calculate the MPI and they have to agree. So that there has some sort of accountability within the government of that measure coming to 
some agreement in, with two different calculations done by different parts of the government. So, and that, so there, that's a very different structure within the government. But there has to be a structure. <laughs> and there has to be a team of people that's put together that structure. And I'll talk a little bit more about the structure later. But that's the way that, that these two, two governments have structured themselves quite differently on how to get the institutional structure to, to make this happen. I'd like, we'd like to spend the rest of the time talking about how to use the MPI much more specifically. And a lot of the issues that we've been talking about now will come out as we talk about how to use the MPI. So again, when you start talking about the uses of the MPI, well, we're going to ask, we don't have a lot of time left, but let's ask the question that we asked before. We asked before, what, were, what would you use the MPI for? And we had a lot of different answers. Think about it again. If you are now the Ministry of Social Development and you're interested in poverty, how can you use the MPI very specifically within your ministry? Any ideas? Yeah. We find programs based on the need of our nation, for example. Design programs very specifically. Design programs based on the main operations or in the principal combinations okay. of operations. Okay. Anything else? Realize your budgets. Absol absolutely. Anything else? Absolutely. Excellent. Inserting it into the national plan. Show how you work inside the, your department has helped the overall quality go up or down. How does that, what do you mean by that? Sorry. You are talking forty with your social programs to show, like in easy way, how much of your work has helped to the overall quality. Got it. So in Turkey, for the uh, two years, we are planning to uh, develop a multi-dimension index. Now I <laughs> realize that the main the thing is missing in our uh, work because in our studies, the purpose is not clear. Mm -hmm. Up to now, we thought that our purpose is to develop a multi-dimension index. But this is not enough, I understand now. <laughs> Maybe for Turkey, I think that it could be that uh, monitor the poverty in Turkey. But I don't know, in this case, we will deal with the touching the people or, um, <coughs> or evaluating the, the poverty reduction programs. Maybe I think we should uh, decide these things. Okay, thank you. One more. You raise your hand, President. <laughs> <laughs> um, stay with us. Okay. I think uh, also, like when we work on poverty, um, because
because it's uh, multi-dimensional. We, we think like progress is very slow, so this is a way we can like uh, track progress by dimensions, <coughs> and that's uh, very good because you can tackle like uh, target problems and, and develop solutions for them. So targeting programs and see some results fairly quickly. Anyone else? Just the whole idea, you can develop your MPI. There's no problem with developing your MPI. In fact, that's part of being ready, right? But what's it going to be used for? Yeah. For me, in my ministry, it's going to be like uh, a discovery channel, kind of. Because people are looking for something new. Yeah. People want to write, people want to talk. So if you're able to come up with things that are not, it's beyond the ordinary, it's not like the regular things. People will be busy. The minds will be busy, and then there will be lots of things to talk about. That's just how I see the NPI. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. Look, hey, we got two or three people in the back there. Let's let's go. No, no. Ladies first. And then <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll take these three more, and then we gotta cut it because then we'll we'll keep going. Uh, uh, to me, it's a kind of a worry. Because, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, your guide would be useful. Because if it is just for monitoring or influence uh, policies at the top level, that is much more easier. But when it comes to more specific intervention, that's when you have the bigger difficulties on selling your idea and make it work. Uh, I was talking to Lin yes. from Vietnam in the, in the break time. And one of the things, okay, we use a survey, our census, to be more precise and identify the, the, the poor. But it is, census the whole population, from my country, is 23 million. I can do the work at central level, but then what does it mean? How do I manage to replicate it at subnational level? Uh, uh, for, for a count of 10 provinces, we have 120-something districts, and then plus local level, then how do you make it, how do you convince it is really flexible enough for it to be implementable? And then I want also to, to question yourself, how is the policy to be designed to, to reflect what we want in this measure? So it's really boiling in my head. I don't see the clue so far. Thank you. Good, thank you so much. This whole issue of, of, of what, what kind of uh, instrument you use for, focal, for targeting, what sort of instrument you use for some of the other issues is really s essential. Because there's something. Yeah. Go ahead. Except this, this is uh, very important to, to making the, in making decision process. When we monitor, when we evaluate uh, the process, we should take a decision. So MPI will help us to uh, give um, idea in which direction and to give priority for which sphere, like education or health. <coughs> In my country, before the budget is released to the government agencies, there is a list of KPIs, uh, key performance indicators, to which the budget is uh, attached. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the year, you can also use uh, MPI to complement uh, the, the performance of the agency.
Okay? As a compliment, right? Anyone else? Maybe someone else? Did you get him to that? Someone else? No, no, I'll try. So I think these are fantastic uh, ideas that came up. These inquietudes that you have, these inquietnesses that you have, these concerns that you have, it's perfectly normal. <laughs> In fact, it's good that you have these because that means you're thinking. And that means that you're trying to take this and internalize it and think about how it's applicable to your country. And each one of you might interpret it slightly different because your reality is going to be different than the other person's reality both in terms of technical uh, staffing that you have as well as the political situation. So it's absolutely essential that you realize that what you're thinking is not wrong. What, what you're thinking actually is, the, is, 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 is a good way. All these ideas that you had clearly are parts of the answer. But we go back to what is the purpose of the, the Al-Qaeda? Why are you using this? Because I think that's essential. So clearly you've mentioned most of these before and you mentioned them again. In terms of tracking poverty over time, how has poverty changed over time? Many times governments are very interested in that, right? They're interested in seeing if their policies have actually made a difference or not. So that becomes essential. And not only that, but you not only can do it by country, but hopefully you can decompose it by region, by ethnicity, by rural-urban. You can monitor each indicator and how it changes. One of the things I want to talk about in a minute this coordination function is one which actually is quite important and not thought about very often. But one of the main things that we found with this methodology is that governments all of a sudden say, yo, it's not enough to have a health policy and an education policy. We need to have them talk to each other. And so that becomes important. And then if we want to target, targeting is slightly different. We had a, a talk about targeting. Targeting is, requires a slightly different kind of information. If you're going to target at the household level, you got to have that, house, that household's information. And how do you get that? And then, of course, what we talked about earlier. But let's move on to specific examples. Can you uh, return oh, a just a second? Okay, go ahead. Because I wanted to, to remind you which are requirements, the technical requirements for each one of these processes are different. And probably we cannot do all of them at the same time. And as you say, maybe we need to have not only one multidimensional indicator in our country, we need to have two. One for the country to compare regions, and a second one to check other purposes. For instance, if we need to track uh, poverty over time, what we need, we need representative data at least of two years. Our household surveys, the normal household surveys that we have, if we want to compare by region, we need only one cross-sectional survey, but representative at the level that we want to compare. We want to compare regions, we want to compare communities, uh, municipalities, counties, as you prefer, but you need to have that data. If you want to monitor, you need almost the same kind of information. The information that you have will give you what you can do and what you can't. To coordinate different actors, to target. To target, you cannot use a survey. To target, you need to use a census. Why? Because you, sorry, I will rephrase. To target, you could use a census or you can use a, sur a survey. What is the difference? With the census, you target the individual. You know who is the poorest of the poor because you have information of each one of you. If you <laughs> try, to try to target with a survey, 
You can target regions. You can target communities. But you cannot target individuals. Depending on the data that you have, on the resources that you have, you could implement something like that. That would mean that we have Minister of Planning producing all the information and send to everyone below, at some national level. Because you know what, most of our case, we don't have the um, statistics department that produces their own data at subnational level. At province level, they may have to collect, but who analyzes it at central level? So, so to cover the whole country. That is a new requirement that, that we will have. One, from the top of my mind, different options. You could do it at the central level and you could share it with the rest. But the second one that I think that is where we want to go is to build capacity. The idea of our world, you being here, is to build capacity in each country. That, that capacity in each country should be shared with the capacity in each region. I know that is a dream, but that is part of the purpose of changing the mindset of all of us. I think in the, in the interest of time, we're going to move right, because uh, we've got 20 minutes that I'd like to make sure we get through the slides. Um, this, this is basically just an example from the International MPI of showing how the MPI can be used. It's a use of the MPI of showing changes over time at the national level. But you can also decompose it which shows the inequalities, it shows the social groups by the different parts of the country. There are a lot of different ways, and I, I don't even want to spend much time on this, because this is, I think, you've spent time on, on how you can actually decompose the MPI and use it as, as a methodology uh, for monitoring, for finding out what <coughs> ministries have worked and not worked, et cetera. So that's just the example of Nepal, which I think, I want to just move to a couple of examples uh, of countries, because, and what they've done to use the, of use of the MPI. First, in terms of Mexico, uh, Mexico has, and I want to say several things. The, f the first thing is that Mexico, by having this kind of a diagram, by having this kind of mental set, what it's done is it is allowed them to target policies for the poorest of the poor. That, that group in the, the biggest, the brown, is the poorest group in the country. And it, therefore, because the social programs can be targeted to anyone, it does, however, help them to target this thing by region to be able to figure out which, which the poorest regions are, poorest municipalities are, to be able to uh, work on these particular social goals. So they not only work on trying to increase income, but they also increase their policy work through their Ministry of Social Development, through the municipalities, to have coordinated policies on these particular methods, methodol uh, me uh, indicators and dimensions. So. Besides the Ministry of Social Development, other ministries also understand their role. They come together to discuss poverty, and I think that's an essential part of this. They're starting to evaluate their social programs using this approach. The strategy, I think, has been very exciting. Uh, one of the innovative things about Mexico and very exciting thing about Mexico is the fact that every municipality now, at the, because they have data at the municipal level, they can actually have each municipality track multidimensional poverty. And that is absolutely stunning. And that's where there's been most a lot of impact because at the municipal level is where the, you know, a, lot of the, a lot of this takes place at the, low, at, the, at the household municipal level. And therefore, it's been very interesting to have the municipalities now as part of their official measure. So each mayor now that has to basically say how, it's, how he or she is doing on multidimensional poverty, which is a, an, a, a way of how this methodology can then be used to track what they're doing. That helps in terms of budget allocations, et cetera, right? 
So linking social deprivations are linked because all of a sudden it's not just education or it's not just, but either it's a, it's a, it's a conjunto, it's a, it's a, it's a joint. It's all of them together. Now it's, so I think that the interesting thing with cash transfer programs is that they tend to transfer, they tend to focus on those who are gonna get above the line as Mauricio said at the beginning of the talk. And, and this, uh, this basically, in some countries, they're, trying to, they're linking their social cash transfer programs also to the MPI in Colombia, and I'll get to that in a minute. So I think one of the things that it, 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 it gives them also is that because it's not just income, it allows the Mexicans to see, who, because it's a social rights-based process, what are the social rights that people do not have? and therefore it allows them to really pinpoint those social rights that they need to work on. For example, they launched the National Crusade Against Hunger. Why did they launch the National Crusade Against Hunger? Well, it's a very simple matter. They took a look at the data. The data in their MPI showed that over a two-year process, things had gotten much better in some areas. So for example, here, you'll see that social deprivations from 2008 to 2010, but it showed that food access had gone down. While dwelling, social security, and health and education had, had improved, have gotten slightly better, all of a sudden, the president says, now wait a minute, how come we're not doing so well on nutrition? And so they said, well, we're not doing well on nutrition, what do we do? We launch a national crusade against hunger. And the National Crusade Against Hunger is to reach 11.7 million people who are in extreme poverty, who do not have, who have people with food access. Uh, and of those 11 million, they're targeting 7.4 million people who they know are in the areas that have the most deprivations in terms of food security. Yes, sir. The one thing that springs to mind when I see this is, why is it that it took him to get the multidimensional poverty measure to realize that there was a problem with nutrition? Why didn't the health ministry or the agricultural policy ministry already inform him of this beforehand? Because that is their responsibility to track this. I'm not sure I can answer that concretely because I wasn't there. <laughs> However, when you have it in your national measure of poverty, it's being reported as your national measure of poverty. So the ministry of, of health, those ministries are not just worried about the overall but they're worried about the, how it's impacting poverty. For example, if you're the Minister of Education, you can go and say, listen, education's doing really well. Thank you very much. When in fact, with the poorest of the poor, it might be doing very badly. And it's hidden because you're not explicitly told to report on it. So I think what it does is it changes the framework. It changes your mindset, the paradigm. So it becomes, the, the, there's an incentive for the policymaker, for the, municipal, uh, for the minister, to actually focus on the poorest because it's gonna get, you're gonna get in trouble if you don't. But I think, I don't know why they didn't do it before, but, I, but uh, to be perfectly honest, yeah. I go. Thank you. Uh, good presentation, but what I would suggest that for future programs, maybe you can add a session on use and abuse of MPI. Because what we are doing is that uh, uh, there was a reason why people were going for income approach, income power plan, because there is a behavioral aspect that uh, you give the income peop uh, people income and they decide. Right. Now what we are doing over here is that we have chosen what are the dimensions that we would like them to be or we think that are important for them. So maybe a person may would like to have a different dimension. So this is one thing. Uh, okay. 
That, that, that's an excellent point. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to have to move on because there, and then try to leave some crimes, but, but just let us move on one, more, one bit. Let me get through Colombia, and then we'll open it up again. But I think that's a, listen, the abuse of this is clearly possible. I mean, there's def that's why transparency is essential. That's why it's very important to show which indicators, how you chose them, and there are going to be some excluded. This is not a perfect measure because it doesn't include every dimension of poverty. It includes some. So people are going to say it's not good enough. It's not the perfect, and it isn't. You have to be very upfront. And that, by the way, and you're not locked in stone forever. But it has to be, if there is going to be change over time of the, of the, of the indicators, then it has to be done in, a, again, a sustainable way by in a very uh, technical methodology. Two, two points before you change. From the technical side and from the theoretical side, the biggest problem is we are measuring resources, returning to the idea of capabilities and functioning. We still are measuring resources, and we are measuring outputs of a process. We are still, our main concern is at some point we need to start measuring functioning, as you remember. Because the functioning measures your freedom to be able to choose A or B. When we are measuring outputs, resources, we are not doing that process. That is the data demand that we have. And the second last point that I want to, technical people, how do we call this? 7.5 million of people in extreme poverty and food access deprivation. How do we call that? Has a name. Poor and deprived. Sensor headcount. Relevant. What you were saying, you were saying, let's check only the headcount. Here we're checking the sensor headcount, those who are poor and deprived at the same time which is the new indicator. The dimension that you are selecting is your dimension. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Let me move on to Colombia just very quickly uh, because I think one of the key things that happened in Colombia is that, as somebody said, they built it right into the national plan. Uh, once it's in the national plan, that means the budget is allocated that way. So it has immediate implications to what somebody mentioned before in terms of budget. Uh, uh, they designed a strategy to reduce their measure. Let me move quickly. Uh, to what is the, to one of the points that you made. One of the things that we've found, uh, which has actually been essential, I've said it a minute ago, is the coordination function, how it's used. This is, you may not, it may not look a lot like President Santos, but that's President Santos standing up there in the table. And these are the ministers of all the different departments, health, labor, housing, agriculture, education, finance, and it also includes the Department of Statistics, uh, and the, et cetera. And this is the, so what, what in other countries is called the social cabinet. They get together several times a year, not to talk about how is the Ministry of Health doing, but how's the Ministry of Health doing on poverty? How's it doing on MPI work? And that, uh, for example, I, I had the honor of being at one of those meetings when it was shown that housing was not doing very well. So the idea was how, what do, how are we gonna improve the housing uh, issue to be able to, to meet the, so that coordination function becomes really essential. But the other thing that's important is because it's in the national plan, when it's in the national plan, they have actually got indicator by indicator showing what the goal is for 2014. In other words, we're gonna reduce poverty in terms of household education, childhood and youth, employment, health and access, 
but with very specific goals. And not only do they have very specific goals, but they have a green light, red light, traffic light system, where they actually say, you're doing pretty well, you get a green light. You're not doing very well, red light. And so there is an immediate control that's used by the coordinating function, and there's a body that helps that coordinating function continue the work between meetings, so that in fact, this is rep is continues to be thought of. Let me tell you what happens is it starts to change your mentality. Ministers all of a sudden realize that they have to work on extreme poverty if these are, if, unless they're going to get a whole series of red start. And the next time they get together with all the ministers, if it's all red, they're going to be in trouble. Because the president says, hey, uh, excuse me, why did this happen? Why did that happen? And they better have some answers if they're going to stay on track. So this tracking methodology is very essential, I think, to one of the things that can be done. And the interesting thing about it, because it was launched right at the beginning of President Santos' term, they have been able to show fairly, very remarkable MPI reductions over the last four years and are pretty much on track by the end of this year to be on goal of getting, 22, of getting 3 million people out of poverty, MPI poverty. And why is that? Because of a concerted effort on the part of the president and the government to use the MPI not just for measurement, but for tracking progress over time and of actually helping ministers decide that this is something they need to take seriously. Other applications very quickly. As Mauricio said, this can be used for targeting in terms of municipal poverty maps. It's been very useful in Colombia, but everywhere else. The municipalities are, 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 that are chosen for the hunger crusade in Mexico are used, again, geographic targeting of municipalities. Here you can see the headcount ratios. When you do just income uh, maps, they're quite different than MPI maps, and it shows the difference. When you start looking at how it decomposed, you can decompose these maps by dimensions, by all the ways we've talked about in the course. The other thing that's very important in terms of one of their cash transfer programs, Mas, uh, Mas Familias en Acción, uh, do it, does it through this MPI-focused mapping first, and then they work on conditional cash transfers door-to-door -door kind of program. So they do a targeting of the geography using the MPI, and then they do a much more in-depth targeting of individuals in that area. And then the other area that's important, for example, is um, this program is very important. They've actually decided that for their extreme poor, it's not enough to cut out of income poverty. So they now have a program where Unidos, which combines income poverty with MPI poverty. You now have to be, to get out of extreme <coughs> poverty in Colombia, you have to get out of income poverty and out of um, MPI poverty. So it actually makes it much more difficult, and yet that's the standard bar, that's the bar. They raise the bar, clearly, in Colombia in order to how, to how it's being used in Colombia. So it's used, actually, in a very effective way of saying, it's not enough for you not to be income poor, because just like you don't know, if it, like what you were saying, you don't know how some people might, you don't know their, you, you might not be income poor and be incredibly poor in every other dimension. You can be earning $1.27 and just, bear, you know, not having any of the other dimensions where you are capable to, uh, to live a reasonable life. And therefore, this targets the two, which makes it much, it, it, it makes the government um, much more focused. The other thing that, how this has been used is that it's actually discovered officially that people are poor. Um, a lot of times, indigenous people are underneath the radar screen. They don't in, they're not included in national statistics. They're not included because they don't make an income. They're outside the income system. By having an MPI system, you actually get these people are, quote-unquote, part of the system and part of the poverty numbers. The other thing that's happened in Colombia, for example, they decided that their indigenous poverty 
uh, MPI was not working for the irregular, sorry, their national MPI was not working for indigenous people. So what did they do? Two years after they set up the national MPI, they set up an MPI for indigenous people, which they've now implemented, which basically looks at what are the dimensions and the cutoffs have to be different for indigenous people? Because they have different traditions, they had different idea, they don't want, they don't, they, they have a different idea what BBBN or what a, what a non-poor person is. And so you need to reflect that in a, in a pride. In other words, there does not, as Mauricio just said, there doesn't need to be one MPI. <laughs> uh, it can be uh, used in this effective way. So that is how I think Mexico and Colombia have used the MPI very briefly. But there are many multiple uses, as we said at the beginning, in terms of not just the, 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 the statistical side and the measurement side and the changes over time side of tracking change, but also on the targeting side and also on the, on the, in the area of actually working at the household level. Now, I want to just mention also, because it was mentioned earlier, other things have used the Alkire Foster measure. And just so that you know, because some of you probably do know, but some of you may not know, that the Alkire Foster measure is also used and how it is used. It's being used, for example, in the Gross National Happiness Index of Bhutan. The Gross National Happiness Index of Bhutan is the flip side of poverty, right? It's measuring, it's not happiness, ha, 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 I feel good. <laughs> that, that, that's not it at all. If you look at, if you look, if you look at the indicator, these are the dimensions. Education, psychological, health, time use, culture, governance. This is well-being, what we would normally probably call a well-being index of some sort. That well-being index uses who? The Alkire Foster measure. It's the exact same measure with dimensions, the indicators, and everything you just learned. The methodology is adaptable, not just to poverty, but also, and there's some countries that are sitting in this room that are thinking of doing measures not just for poverty, but also on how to measure the good life or well-being. So those are the dimensions and some of the indicators that are taken by that. And so there are other ideas. For example, there's a Women's Empowerment and Agriculture Index, which was mentioned, I think, earlier. And what that is, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an index that was created uh, to try to measure the empowerment of women who are in, ag you know, doing agriculture um, and in, in poor countries. And so very specific, uh, which is now being rolled out to a lot of countries, about 19 countries. So the, that uses the Alkire Foster measure as well. Um, there are other, other organizations and groups, including private sector groups, that are thinking of using Alkire Foster for a number of other ideas. We're not that involved with that at this point, but the Alkire Foster method, method as, a, as a tool, as a tool of looking at things that you can put into a, a tool to measure, as long as if there are several dimensions, is a very useful tool, not just for poverty. We're focused on poverty. That's good. Ophi's focused on poverty. That's good. But it actually has also some other very uh, specific applications that we've already seen, and there, I'm sure there'll be others as we go along down the road. So I just wanted to make sure that you understood that those things are also taking place. Okay, time for, there were some, a lot of questions and people's hands up. Put them up again and we'll try to get to them. Sorry to run through that last bit real quick. Sir. No, actually I, I was referring to the slide where you have uh, the use of MPI, okay. where you talked about uh, the different things policy and all of that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think maybe next time uh, one great thing that would do, uh, because if you look at the uni unidimensional measures also, they provide all those things if you look at it. But I think the fundamental thing is difference is how, how it is, how it is done. I think that's what should be emphasized. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Very, that's yeah. an excellent point. Excellent point.
Mine is just a reaction to the question you asked that why why is it that they don't leave it to the Minister of Health or the Ministry of Health to decide what happens oh in nutrition? I think I would like to say that at policy level, you don't just accept everything a minister has said because definitely he's not going to say he's not doing much in reducing poverty. He's going to come up with positive answers to whatever question <coughs> you are asking. So MPI is helping to really measure the amount of uh, activity you've been involved in. Is it really contributing to reducing poverty in a country or are you just busy creating names for yourself as a minister? So you don't leave it to the, minis the ministry to conclude. It's a responsibility of somebody at the highest level to really ensure that you are contributing, not just spending the budget allocated to you. One last comment and one last comment in the back and then we're going to have to wrap it up because it's 12:30 here so. All right. Uh, my question also relates to her is the when we have MPI and when you have sector ministers like the health sector and also the agriculture sector and the other sectors we only have a selected set of indicators. Absolutely. So so if we use it as a target so only these sectors or institutions will be working, you know, to pro to change or to highest performance of on those selected indicators, so that they will look good in front of the prime minister or the president. So how is this going to be helping the country to helping other deprivations where we didn't capture it in MPI? Because I'm going to be only interested in increasing the schooling so that MPI would increase in uh, average schooling. That's so nice. how is this going to be captured? Thank you. I'm just uh, looking at the uh, rules that <coughs> you want us to play when we get back to our country. Uh, the idea of selling the MPI to government at the highest level uh, so that the country can make use of it. I'm thinking of this like uh, a revolution because we are talking of people that have been competing uh, poverty using income and growth for 25 years, 30 years. It will be difficult to convince them. So it, can, it, it just occurred to me that this income uh, poverty measurement is being developed by certain uh, organization, just as OFI is coming up with MPI. So I'm thinking that is it not possible for OFI to talk with such institutional organization and let them see all these things we are talking about so that they are the ones that we go back to those that have been using it for 20 years, 30 years, say, look, we are the one that told you this is how to measure poverty. We are now telling you again <laughs> that you can complement or you can use this yeah. uh, as, as Measurement again, so that you know be OFI alone uh, that we uh, doing this advocacy. You have other international organizations that can also uh, assist. Yeah, again, that, that's one. The other one is I'm just looking at calling the ministries, calling the ministers, talking to parliament and all that. All the issues we want to discuss with these people, uh, I'm not seeing anything concerning them yet. So we are talking about other set of people and they are the one we are calling to come and do 
discuss with them. Uh, sometimes, or the way I'm looking at it is that they may feel there's nothing there for me. They are talking sure. about poor people. And then can we use a radical approach in selling the idea? It may be costly sometimes. I'm um, thinking of uh, somebody carrying a shoe, a pair of shoes, and putting them in, in, in the two hands instead of wearing it on the knees. And you know, people will begin to ask, uh, why are you putting, instead of wearing it on your feet, why are you putting it in your hand? Then you begin to answer and give them. So is it not possible that we just come up, maybe within your organization, uh, compute MPI, roll it out, and then tell the, the whole uh, public that this is the poverty level, this is the intensity, this, and they begin to say, where did you get that? Mm -hmm. And then they come back to you, and then you begin to tell them, that's instead of calling them one by one. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> wow, let's, let's leave it there, but I mean, let's, let's answer those. Try to, anyway. Um, on the idea that this is a mind change, you called it a revolution, but it is a mind change. It's a paradigm change. Um, and we're not, at, we're not at all advocating, as you know, doing away with income. I think that's absolutely essential. Income poverty measurement is a key part of a poverty strategy. Now, we have, in fact, talked to international agencies, and, and we have been working with international agencies. I mentioned yesterday that the UNDP has been very st strong supporter of this concept at the country level, and many of the countries that we work with have been with the, United, with the UNDP. We've been working now with a lot of other agencies and a lot of other governments that are donor agencies, like the donors of the German government, for example, who we've been working with on this concept. We've been working with the World Bank on this concept. Now, it takes time. It takes time. It's a new idea. And a new ideas take time. The idea only got, the whole, the whole Lalkar Foster measure was designed in 2008. So it's not that, it's not, it's fairly recent. And so I think the conversations, I, I mentioned yesterday when I was in Costa Rica, the representative of the World Bank in Costa Rica was very excited about getting involved in this project. So I think it ch different organizations are working. The World Bank is changing. Uh, the European Union is thinking about it. And I think it's going to take some time. Because I do think it takes time for something new to be totally accepted. And the best advocates for this is not OFI. The best advocate for this is Colombia, is Mexico, is Bhutan, is the Philippines. It's the countries that are doing it. Because as the other countries see that they're doing it, they're not going to listen to Oxford. They're going to listen to other people who've seen it work much stronger. And a much more, that's why a study tour or a visit to these countries is absolutely crucial. So I think that's important. And how you sell the idea in your country is up to you. I personally wouldn't take off my shoes. and I mean, it would be kind of expensive if I started leaving shoes everywhere. But I think there are, there are a lot of different ways of, of reaching out to people to talk to them about it. Some countries have developed their MPI. It technically and released it. Rwanda released a technical MPI. That's a good step forward. You don't have to do the political route and before you do the technical route. There are lots of different avenues. In terms of the question in the back, it's a really good question. Uh, the MPI does not solve all your problems. It's better than just income, because all of a sudden you're targeting income and you're targeting four or five other things. That's better than before. Is it perfect? No, there are a lot of things that aren't being targeted. Is it important, therefore, for the president or whoever's in authority to say, we also have to have programs for some of the areas that are not in this? We can't, some of those, those, some of those programs are still already there. They should, from my point of view, they might continue, they could continue, they might not be as prioritized, but it doesn't mean you stop them. And I think it's absolutely essential because, again, poverty is going to be much more multidimensional than the five indicators you chose. So you don't want the government just to say, focus on these five to the exclusion of all. That would be a mistake also.
Anyway, I think we better cut it uh, at this point, and and uh, because we're over for five, five minutes. And but this this whole area of institutionalization, thinking about it over time, how do you get it sustainable over time, is absolutely crucial, and how you design the mechanism to do that. So thank you. <laughs>